I think it's unfortunate that it's taken a lot of people to lose their lives to like addictions and, you know, um, you know, certain domestic violence things and stuff like that. Um, to get to that point to realize, wait a minute, we all need to kind of wake up a little bit that, you know, we're experiencing these, um, this baggage that really hasn't been unpacked. Hi. I'm Lance, and this is Unsilent, a speak series by No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that all too often prevent people from getting the help they need. We're so glad you're here. In today's episode, we get to know Brittany, who's a passionate mental health advocate and writer with mental health challenges, including borderline personality disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder. In today's second part of our two-part conversation with Brittany, she starts to open up about her turning point, how she started to really find herself in her writing and how she has learned to live with her disorders. Brittany shares what it's like to be living in recovery with her disorders, but also what it's like to have advocacy show up in her life and what she feels has been helpful to her, and sometimes more importantly, what she feels has not been helpful. We know these conversations are always tough to have, and we thank Brittany so much for opening up to us today. And remember to check out part one of our two-part conversation with Brittany to get to know more about her and her background. All right, let's dive in. It's been kind of difficult because I think as we know, insurance and finances kind of are a struggle with some people like myself. So it's kind of, I feel difficult to get the resources that I've needed. So I've kind of had to kind of go with what I could get sometimes for therapy versus going to like a specialized uh, individual. Um, and then like a few friends, you know, um, that have kind of stepped up when I was like feeling like I was just dragging myself across the floor pretty much um kind of like a helpless uh position to be in uh sometimes I get like that I'm, I'm just helpless I feel like the whole world's sitting on me and I just throw my hands up in the air um so I've had a few friends uh you know step in and, and try to read about you know borderline personality disorder and you know they've learned about it and then they have learned that some of their friends had it. And so it, it kind of developed a circle of awareness, I guess. So for me, with my heightened emotions that I experience and feeling often dysregulated a lot of the times, I feel that, you know, touch or hug um, has helped me kind of, all right, I'm safe. I'm just letting myself, you know, get out of control with this. I'm safe. So I, I feel that, you know, like that touch or that hug or to just even hear that word of you're safe, you're okay, um, has been helpful. Um, what hasn't been helpful, uh, is isolating. Um, also of course, when I refer to dysfunctional family, I refer, to, you know, to my family and I refer that it's been challenging. Uh, I don't like it to be this way, um, but I feel as though if I, it's not helpful to fight it alone. And I feel as though because of my behavior or I should say my anger from things, you know, it hasn't really served me well with my family. So that's kind of another reason they express to me they're not so close to me you know um but I feel as though having a educated family on these diagnoses uh would have been helpful 
uh, and also to advocate and to find resources and reach out to your clinicians would have been helpful. So that way you were kind of all on the same page of understanding um, of how different internal families contributions of behaviors can affect each individual in the family. So I feel that would have been helpful. Um, what hasn't been helpful, um, you know, I've experienced relationships where my OCD uh, tendencies annoyed the heck out of that individual. Um, and sometimes it caused arguments. And in those arguments, uh, they would attack my OCD tendencies. Okay, well, you don't, you know, you don't like uh, shoes in the house. Well, I'm going to go bang them in mud and, you know, tap them all over the house and the walls because I know that will, you know, exacerbate your anxiety. So that's not helpful when, you know, your your rituals may not make sense to someone else. Uh, but those rituals that are in your mind feel very real to a person with OCD. And I'm not saying they're right or they're wrong. It's just those feel very real to a person uh, who has those intrusive thoughts or have those thoughts in, to begin with. So, um, you know, not feeling judged uh, is is very helpful. Um, and of course, you know, it may not, again, look normal to someone else, but not feeling judged and just having that safe place that you feel you can... And that's, I guess, a safe place is different for everyone um, because you could go to a certain place and, you know, have five triggers because of the environment that you're being exposed to. So it's it's I think that's a, you know, a very um, bearable situation. Uh, so I was going through like a mental crisis where I actually ran away from my house, my house. No longer felt safe to me. I was having these OCD ten, uh, OCD tendencies with phobia of death. My cousin Matt just had recently passed away at a young age, um, and I felt like this spiraling anxiety that I was just running in circles and couldn't get out. So I ran away from my house um, in 2019, and I went to my grandmother's um, about a half hour away. It's more like country like. And, you know, I feel that a person with trauma can have a lot of um, repressed memories that if they're not in a safe spot or they don't feel safe, those repressed memories are just going to keep like repressed. So I ran away to my grandmother's house and, you know, it took me a, a week or so to kind of calm my nervous system down. And um, I started... Uh, you know, thinking of different ways that I could like, I don't know, educate people. I just wanted to tell more people about everything. And so I was sleeping one, one, one night and I'd woken up at four in the morning and I was thinking about, you know, my life kind of like on a movie reel. And this song piece by piece by Kelly Clarkson uh, was playing on my phone at four in the morning. And it basically, if you don't know that song, it talks about Kelly Clarkson's dad. And so I started like crying and I just like got this, I don't know, this feeling to, to write, to write a book. And I'm like, me write a book? Like I, you know, I, 
I've had other jobs. This is kind of weird. Why am I having this thought? So I started writing and um, I go for like long soul searching walks and um, I go for like long soul searching walks and I go down and sit at the boat launch and cry and just kind of think about what I was going to write. And uh, I'd go down to the corner stores like a country like, you know, town. And so I go to the country store down at the corner and I'd sit at a uh, picnic table inside and kind of just eat a piece of pizza and just kind of just let it out and write. And uh, so I finally got to the day. I'm like, this is it. I'm going to publish this. And, um, you know, I'm, I don't know if I should though, because it talks about personal things, you know, with my family. I don't want to embarrass them. No, I've got to do this. So I finally um, published it. I found uh, through another uh, acquaintance, rather, uh, where she was able to do like free publishing. Because, of course, I don't have a lot of money. Um, and so I uh, went on this publisher, Lulu.com, and I submitted the manuscript. And uh, there it was, it was published. And um, so then I started kind of like expanding a little bit and I'm like I want to write more and then I started writing poetry and then I created my own website um to get you know more information out there um but my memoir that I created is called healing the light within me my inner child uh because you know I just feel like all of us that are brought into this world you know we have this essence in our heart this light in our heart and sometimes things can you know tear that essence apart and so yeah so I published the book and um Kind of just expanded from there. Well, I had my first book signing event after my grandmother died uh, at a flower shop. And a couple of women were like, you know, they stopped by my table that the owner of the flower shop let me borrow borrow his little uh, table because I, I came all unprepared. You know, it's my first thing. And uh, so these women were looking at the book and the lady's like, I'm going to buy this. And yet. I noticed she had like the older gentleman like lingering around her. So I remembered, you know, what he looked like and they, they left. And then about an hour later, I'm still sitting there and the guy comes back and he's like, I just have to tell you, he's like, I picked up your book that my, my wife bought. And wow. He's like, I noticed that I have, you know, some OCD and some abandonment and stuff like that. He's like, I want to buy your book. And I was like, thank you like you didn't have to come back and so he bought my book the rise of the radio um that's a online radio station that i created uh so basically i uplo- uploaded each musical file uh to it so it plays and it's all this music that i found over the years with my mental illness some kind of you know make you want to cry some make you want to laugh some kind of you know give you that encouragement or power to kind of keep going uh, so rise above basically came from, you know, a time that I was basically so crippled and debilitated by OCD and my emotions and all of that. And I was sitting in ho- the house one day and I'm like, I've got to do something because I can't just watch my life pass me by like this. And so I just started like researching different things and getting ideas from other people. And, uh, I've also on rise above have had some interviews on there with um you know a therapist that talked about body dysmorphic disorder um uh, some other people that have like lived experience with uh mental illness um so i guess it's just another tool that i wanted to put out there to 
kind of educate or give information and also with a little bit of a musical twist to it. Well, let me just say it's it's not just a click of the finger. It's not easy and it's not painless. <laughs> it's not painless by any means. It's almost as I would kind of pinpoint like a snake shedding its skin. It, that's a painful process for a snake. So um, so basically, it's kind of like unlearning the behaviors, and it's also um, unlearning the behaviors, and also kind of lose—I don't want to say losing a part of you, but kind of living like in a whole another world in a sense, because you're kind of you—you you become more awakened, you become more aware. I think when you learn and you you realize where, okay, A plus B equals C. Okay, well, so my grandmother, you know, she didn't like chaos, and she had a lot of chaos in her house with her parents arguing. So then she would learn to, you know, laugh and make everybody laugh at the table because she felt that was her job is to make everybody laugh. So then she developed people-pleasing behaviors, and then she had kids of her own, and then now her kids had their kids of their own me so i think you know a plus b equals c so i feel like a lot of um you know the behaviors get passed on and, and i think not even realizing so it's not oftentimes it might not even be intentionally done you know so it's a lot of, it's a lot of learning and you know I, I get to the point where i got aggravated with my family because i'm like you know listen they I felt kind of like attacked or I felt judged. Like, you know, they just kept calling me crazy and that I belong in a mental institute and all this stuff. And I'm like, but wait a minute, let's back up a little bit. I want you to be more aware that, you know, you develop these behaviors, you pass these behaviors, and then they just keep going on and on and on and on. And, you know, and so realizing, you know, the different things that happen to us and the experiences in our life, I feel kind of affect all parts of our brain, you know, how we respond, our fight to flight, the amygdala and hippocampus in the brain. So everything I feel kind of, you know, it just becomes like part of us, I guess what I'm saying. So like I've, I've tried explaining like generational trauma, ancestral trauma, I say to my grandmother because of her generation they didn't have a lot of education back then. So they, you know, didn't deal with traumas like the right way in a sense or correct them or learn a different way of behaving to create a healthy environment, I guess. And so it kind of, you know, lingered on. And, um, It's, and I think, you know, in today's society, I think that, you know, it's, I feel like it's becoming known more. A lot of people experiencing homelessness, addictions, uh, you know, I feel like it's improving, but it's not quite there yet um, all around. So, like, for example, back in the day when I'd go to the bathroom in high school, there wouldn't be positive messages all over the walls. If I've gone to, like, a, an event for my siblings and I went in the bathroom one day and there was all these like positive encouragement and um all over the walls and stuff so i think it's getting there but it's it's not so i just feel um 
I think it's unfortunate that it's taken a lot of people to lose their lives to like addictions and, you know, um, you know, certain domestic violence things and stuff like that. Um, to get to that point to realize, wait a minute, we all need to kind of wake up a little bit that, you know, we're experiencing these, um, this baggage that really hasn't been unpacked for a while. To go beyond the show, be sure to connect with us on all social media platforms at No Stigmas, and you can always reach out at nostigmas.org to connect with us and see how we can team up together to champion mental health equity for all. Remember, to break these stigmas, we must be unsilent. We'll see you next time.